What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Tottenham Talk. Very special edition of our weekly roundup today. Not only are Spurs through the next round after beating Brighton 3-1, but we also have a special guest. Patrick Harmon from the 4-4 Brew podcast is here to talk shop with us today. Patrick, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's uh, not every day that on, on my podcast, I try not to talk about Spurs too much because I can just <laughs> go down the rabbit hole. So it's nice to be Nice yeah. to be on a show that is it's the only thing on the t- on the docket for today. Totally, totally. We'll we'll go down rabbit holes ourselves, but yeah, you can kind of get all your your Spurs angst out for sure. That's, that's yeah, there a, we go. The whole point of it. So, <laughs> yeah, today's gonna be a pretty pretty easy episode. Not not sure it'll be too long, but um, since we're just gonna discuss the FA Cup draw for the next round, uh, how the game went, what we thought, maybe a new signing talk because we did get debuts from both Kulusevski and Bentakur. So. I'm excited to talk about it. So I guess uh, first things up, guys, what were your thoughts on the game? Going into it, were you nervous? I mean, Brighton's a tough game, you know. Uh, expected goal kings, I guess, is what they call them, you know. And then Graham Potter, who Matt is obsessed with. but Genius. <laughs> yeah, what were your thoughts? I, I mean, I think we played very well. That was like the first game in a while where we've gone into halftime and I felt – like comfortable, even though Brighton yeah. kind of pegged us back at the beginning of the second half where they were pressing the ball a lot better than they were in the first half and definitely looked like they deserved a goal and then got the goal kind of luckily from Yves Basuma off the deflection from Hoiberg. But uh, they, I don't know, they kind of like sat back in the first half, which I like kind of expected them to do, like thinking like they're away. They're not right. like thinking they didn't really get anything from this game. Uh, but I mean, they made their mistakes and we did in the final third, what we've been kind of struggling to do and it's punishing those mistakes and totally through a hurricane worldy and then uh, struggling to think of who scored the second goal. Um, well, technically it was the it was deflection. March. It was the, yeah, it was that March, cross from Emerson. Yeah. No, that's, that's an Emerson goal. goal in my books. That's yeah. Oh, an Emerson yeah. Goal he in my books. fully deserves that goal after yeah. he's had a pretty st- tough start to the year. Not sure. really that great with crossing the ball, but. He, yeah, he played brilliantly, as did Definitely. the rest of the team. So, yeah, yeah. I felt, feel very good going into Southampton on Wednesday. Yeah, for sure. Matt, what were, you, Matt, what were your thoughts going into the game? You know, it's, you about it? I thought it was going to be a goal fest, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I didn't see it being a, you know, one no win, one one draw, it's like extra time, anything like that. I thought uh, it was going to be a lot of attacking football uh, from both sides. Uh, I think Graham does a good job in terms of how he uh, runs Brighton. And so I always think, they're a pretty challenging team. Um, they have the best record in terms of draws in terms of the top six teams. So, I mean, Don't they have like 12 or something. Yeah. Like they that? have so many <laughs> draws. And so it's, it's weird. They're a team that I feel like is always, uh, always going to put 110% effort out there. Um, and they have some quality players, you know, Lamptey, Basuma, um, even a, a Mapai up top, you know, always can put one away when, you know, 90th minute. And so, it was definitely challenging at first because I wanted us to come up strong and it was a little rocky. I thought a little at the beginning, but then we definitely, you know, Kane did pull that one, which was really nice. Crazy. Um, and, you know, for him to have the kind of stigma he has right now, um, he needed to score that goal uh, to kind of uphold his caliber and what people say about him. Um, Cause I feel like a lot of people on Twitter, I feel a lot of, Fans in general thought that he was quote unquote finished, but I don't think that was appropriate. I don't think he was a finished player yet. I mean, he's only 29, what, 28? Yeah. And he's not even that old. And so I definitely right. think that boosted his goal, I think boosted morale. Um, 
more than anything, kind of just like, guys, like we are a good team. Let's see what we can do here. And I thought we comfortably beat them after we put that third one away for sure. But don't yeah. worry. I mean, like that Basuma goal really was, was lucky. Oh, I don't know. It's just Brian's definitely a team to pull one back like that, you know? Like, yeah. it, it was a lucky goal, but at the same time, like the way we responded was was like yes. super. I was I almost wanted us to get scored on to just to see that because I feel like since Conte's arrived, you know, we've kind of had we've had some games where we respond well, somewhere we don't, but we're kind of getting into that point where we need to be consistent, you know, especially this the latter half of the season. Like mm-hmm. it's super important if we want to get top four. If we want to, I mean, I think getting top four is so so important for our goals this summer. Like it'll open so many doors in terms of transfers just because more people want to come more people want to play for a Champions League side. Like that's been a roadblock for us this past couple of years, but um, I was most impressed with how we pressed in the first half. Like, yes, Brighton made a mistake in giving the ball away to son who then passed Hoybat and then Kane scored that that worldly. But I think, I think our press kind of like it, it, it disheveled them a little bit, you know, it yeah. put them under pressure and, and they, they didn't know what to do. And that happened a couple of times. Um, we didn't capitalize on every time, but you know, another day, I think that could have been five goal, a five goal game for us, you know? So. And see, that's, that's the thing too, like with not quite capitalizing on everyone, yeah. um, like in a game, you're never going to capitalize on every single mistake right. that the team makes. I mean, granted, like maybe they make like two mistakes a game and that's how you score two goals. Yeah. But a team like Brighton yesterday where they were kind of, they were just sloppy, just mm-hmm. heavy touches, bad passes. Um, from there, it's like you want to see like goal, like oh, it kind of goes back to the expected goals thing. Like you want right. to see, like you want to see us making chances. Yeah, and we're going to score some, and some you're just either going to miss, like we did all the time against Liverpool and yep. uh, the game right before Christmas, or like goalkeepers are going to make saves. Totally, but like you want to see that drive, and that was what I think was missing from Kane at the beginning of the year. Totally. Was he just just had no effort in front of goal. And that's why he had scored. That's why Hoiberg was like joint top scorer in right. like November with like two goals. It, it, it was crazy. Cause Kane, it looked like he was kind of just showing up to work, not to play football, you know, like, I mean, yeah. who the hell wouldn't want to do that as a job, but it, to him, it looked like he was like working, not necessarily enjoying his football, enjoying himself. Mm-hmm. So to see the, I mean, I think for me, the turning point was the Leicester game for him. It seemed like, like the way he reacted and interacted with the fans during the goals and and after the game even like he ran straight over to the fans like to celebrate with them because that's what it meant to him and I think that was kind of like a wake-up call for him like hey you know what like there's a special project going on here especially with Conte and we we can do something we can do something pretty cool so I mean he's a huge part of our front three obviously but the fact that he's on the same page now with all of our other players I think that's that's very important um I do want to ask though now that we have Kulisevsky and Bentaker, how do you guys see them fitting into our Hoybia, Winks, Skip midfield? Because in Lucas too, because it looks like he came in for Lucas, Kulisevsky did at least, and it looks like that might be his position under Conte, but Conte also said he can play right wing back, he can play in the middle, he can play wherever. Where do you guys see those two signings fitting into to our squad? I definitely struggle to see Lucas playing right wing back. Yeah. I just mainly because like, I don't want to judge a player based on his height, but right wing back is not a position where you want like a teeny tiny guy. Right. And I mean, like no fault to Lucas, but he's not the tallest guy on the field. Um, yeah. And I don't really think he's, 
Yeah, he yeah he can jump just as well as the next guy. But like, yeah, yeah totally, totally get it. Uh, but I definitely think Kulisevsky is going to going forward it would be a great replacement on that right wing. Not that Lucas needs replacing, but right. just so that he Lucas can't take some games off, or like when it comes to either the FA Cup or uh, like Prem games that should be like relatively comfortable. Except like, they're like, just like get the stamina up. Totally. And keep like just keep his energy levels high, so we're not just using him two times a week when it gets to like busy parts of the season. Totally, Matt. What are your Yo, thoughts? Like, sorry, I dropped my hand. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to add in there. Um, first off, you know it's interesting what Conte says and where he thinks these players could go um, after looking at who we have and who we let yeah. go of this past window. Um, I've been a huge fan of Kulishevsky after watching him in the Euros. Um, he, I don't know, I, I love the guy. I love the guy. And he's 20, 21 years old. He's There's the no bias here. Matt's not no biased bias. at all. He, he just... I'm not biased. I love the guy, though. Um, <laughs> and he's Swedish, so he's going to have some Zlatan sickness to him, which is sick. But anyways. Yeah, that's the, what uh, we've been missing is right? Zlatan impersonator. Right? But no, exactly. like, you know what? It, it, it's so interesting having two young guys, uh, Bindaker being 24, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and Kulushevsky being 21. Um, as much as I love Kulu, um, I'd argue that Bindaker was probably our better signing in terms of what we needed. Uh, yeah. I did, yeah. And, I definitely agree. Yeah. And like, he's six, two, like for a midfielder and like box to box DM ish midfielder. Um, Cause he can kind of do it all. He did it all kind of in uh, at Juve. Yeah. Um, but we saw him um, simple. I say simple, technical work he has when he had the ball, the composure mm-hmm. he had when he had the ball. I, I was gonna say composure. Is, yeah. And so, like you know, there's something that you see top clubs doing. I'm talking not. To, I'm not to just saying the Premier League. I'm talking, you know, Bayern Munich. I'm talking. Even, you can even put PSG up there if you want. Uh, Real Madrid. You know, so on and so forth. You know, these guys have such good composure coming out of the back. Uh, Manchester City, I say, is probably the best team in terms of doing this. Um, but the composure that these center backs have and then, you know, being able to progress forward comfortably and, you know, actually utilizing what we tried. They showed in the stats that we had 39% going up left side, 33 going up the right side, and then 28% of the ball was going up the middle. So it was dispersing the game evenly, which was interesting. And – you know, after watching these guys, you know, come in, I feel like the overall squad and the morale of the squad has definitely been boosted. But yeah. I feel like the simple, te- the simple things um, that we couldn't have done in the past. I'm talking uh, something very minor. I know Clay, you you mentioned this, but when we were watching this together, Bitaker's uh, L turn just to get out of space yeah. uh, or to get out of pressure and create that space to go forward. So simple, yet he does it right. You know, and there's so many yeah. situations, and I'm not calling out wings here, but I'm calling out wings here, like that, where or Horberg, where they lose the ball in that situation, we can't afford that. And so I think Conte has definitely instilled these guys to have more discipline in the back, um, and to be more, ooh, more disciplined in the back. But then going forward to obviously play with your mind, play with your yeah, mind. Yeah, totally. You know, I, I and think so it's interesting what he like. I'm almost done with my little rant. It's interesting what he can instill, install in players. Um, yeah. Conte. And so I think his, his reflection off these new signings 
And the overall morale and overall performance of the guys definitely plays a huge part in what Conte does. I think, like, the, the interesting part is, I think Ben Zekir is pretty obviously going to be, like, his spot's going to be that Winks Hoybert role, but he's going to do it, like, to a better extent, in my opinion. Like, Winks, like you said, I get, I still get worried when Winks gets the ball sometimes. Like, as much as I love that he's having a, a, I don't know, resurgence of his career under Conte, and, you know, he's starting to play better and maybe play with a little more confidence and stuff, uh, I, I'm still not, like, when he has the ball, I'm not like, oh, we're safe, you know? So, because he still has, you know, maybe once a game, what, a couple times a game, that one pass or that one, he's just not, he's just not there, composed enough, you know. And Benteker came in for what, like ten or eleven minutes, and there's two or three times he just, he did like he won the ball back quickly, he got out of a, a tight area, played the ball, kept the ball, and we moved, we moved it up the field. So, Benteker is gonna be huge, but also like Kulisevsky, Conte was saying he he could play right wing back, and I think like so many times fans, especially especially on Twitter. Twitter can be a, a crazy place sometimes, but um, it, especially Spurs Twitter, like people, people think that someone plays a position that that's their only place they can play, you know, like that's not how the game works really. Like all these players you need have versatility. Yeah. Like all these players have played multiple positions their entire life. So it, I mean, bar a goalkeeper maybe. And like, but it, like when you get a new coach and a new manager, like it's not let's say like, oh, he's only played right wing. Like how could he play right wing back? Or how could we, he, he played the 10, you know, something like that. So I'm really curious to see how Conte can find the best out of these players in different positions. Like if Kulu played right wing back, that might be not be where I would place him. But I mean, Conte has all my, has all my trust right now. So uh, I'll, I'll let him go wherever. My only concern with Kulisowski going to right wing back is like, I, I I don't know why I always just struggle to think of players that are not like right footed playing like a wing back or a fullback role on the right. Because I mean, that was, that's been our gripe with uh, Doherty and Emerson all year is that they aren't able to whip in. Like they aren't just, they just aren't able to whip in like a tidy cross and Kulisewski, I feel like would always just kind of try. I mean, I don't know that this is what he would do. This is all just like my thinking, my, yeah, yeah, my narrow-minded thinking on the matter. Um, (laughs) But I could just like see him like just consistently trying to cut back in on that left foot and then put the ball in, even if it needs to be like a one time or like he's being closed down and he needs to get the ball in now. And it just might not be as accurate on like his quote weak foot where like player of that quality, like should be able to do like what he can on his left foot on his right foot like yeah, pretty I, pretty like seamlessly i think you'll i think we it like and it's kind of a similar situation with sun on the left like sun's pretty both footed but he does cut in a lot you know and he's not mm-hmm. gonna he's not gonna hit a cross in like reggie will so i want to make sure that we have someone i think i think honestly i think conte was really saying that he could play right wing back to soothe some of the fans that were upset we didn't sign a right wing back in this january window just to kind of say that um but you know, I do worry the same thing. Like, we need someone who can cross the ball, and that'll be a, a future summer. I mean, that's got to be our top priority, I think, this summer. Emerson could fit into that role. You know, he he's lot, lots of time to improve. He's super young. You know, he's still adjusting to the yeah. like all that. But, you know, he's it, what, it is like good. 22, 23? Yeah. So he can't he, be that old either. Right. So I, I also want to say that the fact that we're able to have this conversation about who's going to play right wing, is it going to be Lucas or Kulu? Like, we have to make these choices. It's something that we have not experienced as Spurs fans in a while. You know, the, the depth, <laughs> it's it's like, oh, shoot, no one's no one's there. Who's going to play? Now it's oh, like, great. Oh. Lamella's going in at right wing. We're not yeah, going right. to score today. Yeah. 
uh so it's like or sissoko like i, I always love the like late sissoko sub when we need a goal you know like what was that like <laughs> so, he would go in anywhere he'd go like center yeah. back he'd go defensive midfield he'd sub him on a cam right wing left wing anything we needed oh yeah it, it, the swiss army knife midfielder <laughs> um but but the fact that we're able to have these conversations where you know we have to make a choice between one or the other is something that I hope we're able to do more, you know, going into the summer, you know, we get, we should be able to talk about uh, Emerson or the other, this other right wing back, who's going to be playing better, you know, that sort of thing. Like we don't really have depth. I mean, you can count Doherty as depth, but I'm not sure he's, he's up to the task. So, all right, let's move on a little bit. Um, Talk about our goal scorers, Harry Kane. Well, I guess we talked about him already and Emerson too. Just so Um, good. So good. I mean, is there anything else we can say besides, wow, like really? He's I mean, just he's his form is clicking, and I bet you over the next two months he's going to score like fifteen goals in the league, and just totally. get right back up to where everybody expects him to be. And all this conjecture that a failed city move has ruined his season will finally be in the rearview mirror. Yeah, for sure, that's been slowing us down big time. I I, I can't wait for that to be in the past. Um, uh, I also want to talk about Romero's return because he was like he was so neat and tidy, like. Maybe it's mm-hmm. I'm, a def- I'm a defender by trade, but like looking at him on the field gave me so much more like confidence in our back line. Like even I, I watched a, a highlight reel someone put together of his game. And I mean, he, he can play anywhere. He can play in the middle. He can play on the right. He can play on the left. So when Dyer's healthy, I, I feel really confident about our back line right now, which mm-hmm. is weird to feel as a Tottenham fan with no Toby and no Jan, because it hasn't been that way in a long, long time. So I don't know you guys thoughts on Romero's return and how crucial he is kind of to our defense. Well, it's 70 million defender you'd expect could shape up in the back line pretty easily, pretty easily. Yeah. Um, I was just reading some stats actually right before we started recording and he was, uh, it was like nobody had nobody on the field had more like aerial clearances or wow. uh, tackles in then, or he had the most uh, long yeah. story short. Um, he completed like some like 93% of his passes or something like that. And he'd, Awesome. Just first came back in two and a half months, and he's just immediately just sliding into challenges. Not a fear in the world about ruining Love his it. hamstring again. Yeah, and it's just so so good to see. But yeah, him and Dyer, who would, who on earth would have thought that we'd be saying that Eric Dyer would be a, like a worthy center back alongside Patrick, Romero? I'm going to stop you there, <laughs> Matt. Matt knows this. I was a long time Dyer at center back. No comment. And, and I tweet. I think I tweeted when Jose first started playing him there. I tweeted like. Give it till Christmas. Dyer's going to be a world-class center back. And that didn't happen. My timeline was a bit off, but. I think I remember seeing that and thinking, there's not a chance in the world that Eric Dyer becomes. Hey, Everyone's Patrick, got you it. and I both the... thought the same thing. Everyone's got well, that hot take. he was playing take. defensive midfield at right. the time. And everybody was saying like, oh, Mourinho's going to turn him into the next Gattuso. I'm like, no, he's not. He is not the same player that Gattuso no. was for Milan for like 10 years. There's I am no... curious to know. I'm curious to know though, like, when we get back into like, you know, pretty good sharpness and form, like his chemistry with Romero in the back, like our, if you put our starting 11, like our best starting 11 on paper right now, like I'm, and everyone was healthy. Like, you know, I'd be really keen to see how good they would. But, I mean, they, they ha- I mean, don't, I'm not saying they, I mean, they have played together. I'm not saying they haven't, but like, you know, like I'm talking top form and totally. you know, what we can, what content can do under, you know, a year with both of them or, just with our back line, I'm really curious to know what Romero and Dyer can kind of 
shy off each other, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it goes back to what I was saying about different positions, right? Like sometimes you need a different coach or a different, like, I guess, well, coaching Dyer's style. From, Dyer's from Portugal. Right. But I, what English. I'm saying is. He's English, but he, he played at sporting when back in, uh, when Jose was coaching in the Portuguese league. Right. Like that I'm, far back. So like no, I know. his style, yeah, and so like his style and like, you know, how he kind of grew up to the game and then, you know, coming from in Argentina and, you know, I don't know where Romero came from before Atlanta, but, you Juventus, know, that, that's think, actually where Juventus, I think. Was it? Okay. And so like, yeah. You know, so yeah. He's got a little, he's got obviously, you know, a little Syria on him, but like, it's definitely interesting what, you know, both can bring. And I feel like with Dyer, like, you know, someone that is, you know, going to go hard in the tackle and you don't want to lose. You know, so like it's so interesting what both can bring, and you know, the, obviously the weaknesses and strengths totally. that they both have. But like, you know, we we see Romero, and I really think Dyer kind of like looks at Romero not as a role model, but I'm curious to know what you know his price tag, all this speculation and all this hype about him. I feel like he must know what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm curious to know in terms of players' minds and players' perspective what they think of that, and like if Dyer takes it like, oh, I know what I'm doing, blah blah, but. I feel like you can learn a couple things off this guy, you know, because he's yeah, totally. like me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm really interested to see what Conte can do that too. Well, I just want to, I just want our back line to be like, like the reason our back line was so good in like 16, 17 was because it was the exact same lineup every single time. You knew exactly who was going to play. And they had that, like, they just knew, knew each other and, and played with each other so well that they didn't have to worry about one thing or the other. Like they didn't have to, some of the things that you might have to communicate to, to a center back, you, you've only played with once or twice it was just unsaid. It was unspoken. So if we can get our, you know, I think we probably, as much as I love Ben Davies and the resurgence he's having, we probably do still need a left center back, but like once we get a full, you know, that full back line that is consistent, then we'll start to see the results of clean sheet, clean sheet, clean sheet. So excited about that, but I I am worried about Dyer just a little bit. Um, Oh yeah. The, I mean, I, I, he has this weird tendency where he, where like he knows he has to be the guy to lead the back line is when he plays really well. Yep. But when he's paired along, like when it was like with Toby or yep. even with Romero at the beginning of the year, that's where I think he kind of takes the his foot off the gas a little bit. But that also might have been just because um like I guess under Nuno, which we'd all like to just forget that two months. Um like he, that's where you saw those mistakes. Like in that totally. game against like just in that game against Newcastle where we ended up winning. But, like, you just totally. knew that Newcastle were going to score again, and it was probably going to be Dyer's fault. And then he just has that comical own goal, like, at the end that yeah. just really proved to be nothing. But I am just – I he just needs to keep that mindset where, like, he needs to – I think either he needs to be told or he needs to, pre, like, pretend that he has to shape up the back line. And right. I think that's when we – get the best out of Dyer, not where he can, oh, I can make a mistake. I've got two other guys either side of right. me that can, that can help out. Yeah, no, we, we talked about this maybe last week or the week before. Um, there's certain players who like are super internally motivated. Like we were talking about Delhi in this aspect, but like a, yeah. a player like Dyer, if he's like given that responsibility, like he thrives in that pressure. I feel like, you know, like I think when, I think the reason Conte said in one of his interviews that he thinks Dyer could be one of the best center backs in the world um like he said that because he wanted Dyer to like to light that fire under him you know and be like he's not there yet but hey this is your potential like go reach it go get it like you know what I mean like 
So, like you said, there's a worry there because it is dire, and you know his past. If if history repeats itself, it could be could be bad. But also, I'm excited to look to the future and see what Conte is doing to this guy. But um, yeah. All right. To wrap up this game, Patrick, we do we do three things at the end of every game. Actually, we, I don't know if we've done this in a while, but we do a man of the match, um, play of the game, and then a hidden gem, which is like what's something that stuck out to you that maybe most people didn't see or something that Doesn't gives you hope for the player. next game. It could be it could be a, a play. It could be a. I've already got one in mind. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Good. All, right. <laughs> all right. So we'll we'll start with man of the match. Matt, you go first. Romero. Romero. I'll go. With, um, I I'll go with you, Harry. Would you oh, say? Sorry. No, you're fine. Okay. I was going to go with Harry. Yeah. Harry go. I was going to say Harry too, just because two goals back at his best in a, an important cup tie. That's huge. I, I'd love to see that. So, all right. That was, that was <sighs> you an easy didn't one. say Harry. So I didn't say Harry. <laughs> uh, all right. Play the game. What do we got? <clears throat> oh, God. Uh, L- Larissa's save on that deflected shot at the beginning of the second half. Okay. As a nice goalkeeper, goal. I don't think people understand how hard that is. He was like, shifting right, about to right. dive. And just on a on a dime, flipped back to the left and just was able to get somehow get his palm onto that. That's and awesome. that just shows you why he's still one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Yeah. Just cat like reflexes. I, I still don't see like why is he not in the conversation with best keep, keepers in the world still? Like he is like I don't know. He's it's because we can't opinion. keep clean sheets. That's, That's like true. and they're not the goals we concede are rarely ever his fault. Like maybe like that that game against City in uh, when sixteen seventeen when he went to or maybe it was it's it was one of those years um, yeah. and he went years. to like clear it with his head and just yeah. totally missed like that's like the last time I can like truly think of like a goal that was let in because, and it right. was Hugo's fault. You right. know what's another thing too is like Clay, you make a point because he's a World Cup winner. Yeah, and as a captain. And I still don't think he gets the the not saying respect, but I don't think he gets the the hype that he deserves. I mean, yeah, like people say, and Patrick's got a straight up point. It's clean sheets, yeah. and you know people want to look at the statistics of it. And so when you look at back at like Liverpool and City, like obviously you know you got Ederson and Ali Son, both Brazilian goalkeepers who are amazing goalkeepers. I'm not saying they aren't, but I'd argue Ramsdale is very good keeper as well. But yeah. Arsenal's back line is probably not the greatest. They suck. No one likes Arsenal. Um, yeah. This is Tottenham Podcast. Sorry, Arsenal fans. Yeah. I don't think any um, Arsenal fans are listening to this. So yeah, I think they're probably think, yeah. fine. I don't think anyone's going to listen to that anyways. But, the, uh, but like, no, but, like, that, that's the thing that, like, I think plays a huge part when it comes to uh, even, like, the documentary a couple of years ago or last year. Hugo always had the captaincy. Like, he, he had that leadership. Um, but I, I completely agree with you, Clay. I don't think he – I don't think he deserved or – gets the recognition that he should totally um, totally but i mean patrick on on the point that you made about a save like that's a great a great example i is things that i think just get shied away um unless they're i don't know if they're getting shied away or this maybe i don't know but i don't know i feel like it's a whole different story if like ali son did that or city did that you know and it's like oh my god what a great game ederson played Blah blah blah. You know what I'm saying? Made one yeah. save. Made one. Right. One you know, time, City's just, defense allowed a shot on target. My, yeah, Made my one point. Save. So, Congrats. It's so it's it's this, and like he's he has been consistent in making incredible saves. I mean, incredible I mean, saves. We and, talk about our back line being better under Conte, but like in all honesty, if we didn't have Hugo, like we didn't have Hugo, we'd be a, we'd we'd a have mid table bottom half team. 
Got if we had, if Galini was starting, Galini exactly. is such a bad goalkeeper. He is so bad, and I am counting down the days until his loan expires. And if we like truly triggered that, was it like wasn't it like a thirty million fifteen like, buy clause? Okay, I guess fifteen. Like he wasn't he wasn't he's, too he, much. I don't think. But like, he's just like the game against um, who's Chelsea. the conference league team that we should yeah. have beaten? Mora, yeah, whatever, Mora. Um, just like that first goal, it was a great goal that they scored. Like just like kind of whipping it like far post on Galini, but the fact that he doesn't even move, like if he moved like a little bit or just like tried like maybe to dive for it, like there's a pretty good chance he would have gotten it. He's a yeah. tall guy, like the yeah. wingspan of like most like two car garages. I think like he probably <laughs> would have gotten it, but he just yeah. ha- makes no effort. Yeah. And he had like one good year at Atlanta with Romero, and just nah, he's not. He's not He's a not Premier it. League goalkeeper by any stretch of the imagination. Where's Gazzaniga when you need him, right? Yeah. He was good. He got he so much hate, but he, he was, was good. So he was way more solid than what people thought he was, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. He's much better than – I mean, he's starting for Fulham now, isn't he? I think um, so. It would be great to see him back in the prime. I mean, he deserves to be a prime number one or at least a number one somewhere yeah. in like a top league. So all but happy yeah. for Paulo. Because he's older than I thought he was, too. He's like 27, 28. I mean, Galini's Galini's not young either. I think he's like 27, too. So it's not like like he's like a young. Galini, I thought, was like 22. Is he that young? I I think think Galini is a lot younger than that. He is. Hold up. 22. No. Okay. No. 26. 26. Yeah. So, I mean, young for 22. Young for a keeper, but but still not like, you know. Speaking of age, before we move on real quick, did you know that Son is older than Kane I by did. a year? I did. That blew my mind when I saw that last or last week. Kane, uh, his age does not quite – he looks older than he is for sure. Oh, yeah. I definitely pegged Kane for already being like 31. And yeah. Son maybe like 26. Right. And the fact, that I, the fact that Son turns 30 like this year blew my mind. It's crazy. It is. All right. Rabbit hole went down. Matt, what's your play of the game? Uh, play of the game was Binnaker's L turn. That small step, well. just it just was so nice to see him get out of get out of that pressure. And I just haven't seen that in a while from a Tottenham player. Yeah, I think okay. Tiny. My my no, I mean we we already, we talked. His composure is is super exciting for me. But um, my play of the game I think will be when Son won the ball back to to get Kane's second goal. That like bursting run he he made. It's like it's so good. I feel like he deserved a goal at that after that run, but like we still scored, so it doesn't matter. Um, but man, like that's something that that's something that you just forget that Son can do when when he's not playing. But when you get it back, you see something like that. It's like oh, so good. So all right, here's the fun part now. Hidden gem, Patrick. You said you already got one. What's your What's your you hidden see, gem? My hidden gem was that L turn from Benson. Okay, right. I didn't think I didn't think anybody would say that. Um, <laughs> Go to go to go to Matt. I'll think of another one. Okay, all right, Matt. Hidden gem. Yeah, hidden gem. I'm gonna say it's probably a typical one, but I think it's definitely appropriate to say now. Um, Conte. Conte. Mm. I think yeah. he has. He's played what ten games now? Nine total. How many? Uh, pre- well, how many prems? Oh, I'm not, not sure. Prems, to be More. He was uh, like. Only one loss in the prem, I think, right? Against Chelsea. Yeah. 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 Um, 
I think we give him spotlight in this podcast a lot, um, but I'm definitely giving him the spotlight right now because I think he has a mentality. He has a demeanor. He has a personality that is absolutely contagious. And he knows how to win. He knows how to win. And I wrote down a Kane, Kane quoted him or hospital related quoted what Kane said about him. And he said, I can't speak highly enough of Antonio Conte, but personally, both personally and as a coach. So, and I, I just think it's so important for a manager to have that personal relationship with his players, totally. not at all being a job for him. Um, that sort of connection. Um, and you see it when he reacts to goals. You see it when he totally. reacts to a tackle. I mean, the way he expresses himself on the sideline is nothing like it. I mean, the only one I could compare it to um, would be Klopp back when Klopp would get so excited when they win. Yeah. Like Klopp had a demeanor when he went to Liverpool. Um, now, I'm not saying that we'll win Champions League in three years, but but I think Conte has definitely uh, changed the club and I hope uh, Daniel sees that because really? if we Conte is definitely the glue right now um, and he's holding everything together. And I think he's giddy, giving people hope, fans, hope players, hope that really? we can achieve something here. Trust me. And uh, he's definitely presented that message. I think perfectly. Totally. So, all right, Patrick, you got one. I do. Yeah. Okay. All um, right, let's hear it. After, Basuma had scored that goal. Uh, did you see uh, Davidson Sanchez just turn around and just scream at Hoiberg and the rest of the midfield, just saying That's like, awesome. "Why are you allowing him so much space?" Like that, of course, was going to happen if you do not like step to your man. And I think that's like one thing that we've been missing is like players. Cause we saw that in the Amazon doc as well, which was hilarious when Loris had that run at sun. Yeah. Um, when they all, like, I remember, I think we were playing like palace or somebody. Villa. Was a villa. Um, villa. Yeah. And sure. uh, so, yeah, I mean, just that drive from the players, like we want to keep this clean sheet. Like we just go like take like some FIFA tactics and like include like a clean sheet bonus and like all right. of these defenders contracts just to keep them on their toes and keep and just keep the rest of the team accountable. And I, that's definitely something like under you not you would not have seen that under Nuno. Yeah. You would just like somebody would have scored and we were like. Oh, uh, they're probably going to get a second one now because they scored this first goal. And, but now we see like in game, like switching of tactics or like totally. somebody's making a mistake. Like you scream at them and then they stop making that mistake. They know what they did and they did it once and they won't do it again until uh, maybe another game. It comes up, you scream at them again and it doesn't happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I think, you know what, before I call you go on, I think Patrick, that's a good point because we haven't really talked much about Sanchez. And yeah. I feel like that's a very interesting player to bring up because of all the backlash and hate that he's been given. Um, I think he's definitely proven himself in the past couple games of what he can do um, in the back line. And I, mean, I think that's a great thing. I feel like I mean, showed, showed why we bought him for like 40 million for my ax. Right. Yeah. And he's so a, like, he's I, a God, I, I mean, like him. even, even him, so him like him on his pride, like, if he could, if he could, if he could shape up and be on his, on his game, like we think he can, with Romero and Dyer in the back, don't think anyone can score on us. You know, totally. like it's you know, it, it, with Larissa and goal in between the six. I, on paper, I don't think anyone can score on us. You know, like you could compare that back line to many of the teams now, but like you know, it's just 
Great point, Patrick. Love it. Great point. But that's all totally. I have. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great one too. Can't complain there. Um, I love those moments too. I think that comes from Conte is like the way he, uh, the mindset that he's kind of bringing to this team, and the the way that you got, you got to hold each other to to that level. And it's not you know you can't be nice guys. And I think Jose said it in the documentary. You got to be a team of, you know, whatever's <laughs> um, expletive. This is a family um, friendly podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well. well Actually, that's that's the deal. So uh, for my hidden gem, I'm going to go with Hugo in general, just because talking about him reminded me how lucky we are to have him. He's going to be one of those players that when he leaves, like we if we, we know we understand how lucky we are now, but when he leaves, it's going to be like, damn, we miss him. You know, it's, it's going to be, be weird those... seeing somebody. It's going to be one of those Vertonghen, Olivierold. Yeah. Where it's going to be weird to see somebody else wearing the number one. Totally, totally. But well, guys. Great episode, Patrick. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, having you. Of course. We'll have to have you on again. Yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, but um, everyone, be sure to check out the uh, 4-4 Brew podcast uh, as well as um, check us out on Twitter as well. We're trying to update stuff more there too. We did start a Discord, so we're trying to get that underway, but it's hard because there's only like five of us in there right now. But uh, It's growing. It is. It is. We'll get we'll, we'll get that going too. So um, lots to go for for the rest of the year for Tottenham Talk. But thanks for listening, and as always, come on, you Spurs.